Welcome to Politics on Right. My name is Egberto Willis, your host. Good morning, Houston. Good morning, Harris County. Good morning to the great state of Texas. Good morning to the United States. And of course, good morning to the rest of the world and to every corner where our 100,000 watt transmitter sneaks in. Well, actually, it doesn't sneak in. It barges in. Good morning to the great studio where geniuses, uh, El Senor Howard and Jack. How's everybody doing this morning? Uh, we haven't found any geniuses yet. We, we are. Hey, I want to say good morning to Harry. That was some Peter White for you. That's Mr. Magic. Because Harry loves Peter White. I'm starting to love Peter White. Oh, that's good stuff. Good stuff. I used to play that on Sunny for the Sunday Jazz Brunch. Peter White was always one of my favorites. And we got to say good morning to Brisbane, Australia. Because we're <laughs> down there. Somebody's listening to politics done right. Jack, you got some wisdom for us today. In fact, you got a whole page of stuff. No, maybe a half page. Yeah, oh, Henry yeah. here has been uh, writing away. <laughs> so, what you got, man? Well, I'm asking the question, Warren. I'm asking the Republican voter, why are the Republicans and some of the Democratic politicians attacking the poor, the women, the old, the migrant, the gay? Because in the corporate world, these groups are considered a liability and fall below the corporate black line. The idea of being, if you take from the social safety net, they want to X you off the corporate balance sheet. Why are they a liability? The workers, you know, well, when they stop working, they become liabilities because they're drawn from the system. Oh, that must be me because I haven't worked a lick yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that. We, we know better than that. We know better than that. But you know what, Jack? Uh, you're absolutely right. But, you know, it, uh, an economic system where you're just a cog, that's what happens, an economic system. And that's what we have. And, you know, we've had that for a long time. And, you know, we need to make a lot of modifications to remember. You know, I always draw this picture. And I, I was in a long, I was telling you before we got onto the show, I was in a long long meeting yesterday with with some progressive organizers and it was interesting because um we're talking about the things that we need and so forth and i'm my thing is like if we could just get everybody to understand that what we put on the top of the you know on the top of the diagram if we could just have human being on the top of the diagram and and it, life would be so much better for everybody, because everything that we do, the first question that we ask is, how would that affect Jack? How would that affect uh, uh, <laughs> Howard? How would that affect, you know, we keep, we keep asking the questions, but like I did on a panel once, you know, it turned out that, um, you know, we, we came up with some ideas and the moderate, the progressive and the, the uh, ultra uh lefty which was my myself actually progressive was me and um this other guy the democrat then uh we all came up with some programs and saying this would be great social this etc but then the guy that was the like the the business republican guy the first question he asked was but how would it affect business and the other two folks didn't say much but i got 
sort of perturbed. And I said, why is the first question you asking is this is, is, is humanity there to serve business or business to serve humanity? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, and that is what we, we, that is where we have failed in an economic system that always puts capital as the bottom line. Because once you do that, right, you make all these different compromises on humanity. I mean, when you say things like, uh, we can't afford to have healthcare for all, you've allowed an economic system to be built that makes that a possibility. Does that mean that that person has to die? When you say that we can't feed everybody or we can't have a system that allows everybody to be fed. And this trope that says uh, there are these lazy people that don't want to do anything. I can make anybody look lazy. In other words, you know, I I go to South Park, I go to Studiwood, I go to uh, uh, Third Ward, First Ward, any one of these places. Go to the bus stop right now and see how many people are there. And then later on, right in that same area, you might see a few vagabonds on the streets. You may see a few vagabonds on the street. Yeah. And what our economic system do is it takes those vagabonds that you see on the street and it makes it the image of the people who are poor. It makes the these guys that have no desire to do anything, it, 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 it cauterizes in people's minds that that's why they're poor and that's what it's all about. That's why we can't give them our hard-earned dollars. When the reality is those guys are the exception. I know uh, in, in some cities it may look like a lot of people, but if you look at the amount of those people in that community that are actually getting up every morning and going to work, most of them at substandard wages, it's a lot of people that are going to work. Most people are going to work. And what the system does is it, it, it tries to put so that we can't ask the system to be better for the wealthy to pay more taxes because they use more of our roads with their trucks. They pollute more of our water with the products that they make. So they owe us more taxes instead of saying they should do their part. We try to make them seem uh, like they're so much above everybody else, which they aren't. And one of the things we want to do here for all our listeners is to let not let the the mainstream media's voice, who is nothing half many times, are the mouthpieces for the ones who are running commercials, the ones who don't want to pay anything. Right? We are. We want to make sure that you don't fall for that into that indoctrinative state that to to be the truthful, that's where they have us. The fact that we have a state, the state of Texas, where we have laissez-faire gun laws, where every, anybody or their mother can get a gun. And they say, well, do you, you know, there are some regulations, but no, not if you buy from just somebody on the streets, which you can. You know, you have the right to sell your personal gun. A gun show can't sell it to you, but you have the right to have your personal gun. And we don't see what's wrong, even though we are a we are the one of the states with the worst amount of shootings and killings. But hey, it's okay. 
because the Second Amendment said, no, it's not the Second Amendment. It's a gun lobby making you believe the Second Amendment said it's okay for a lot of people who shouldn't have guns to have guns. And it's, again, business over humanity. Every time you watch TV and you see those killings on the news, remember how many killings occur in Houston and around the country that you have not seen on the news. I mean, we have to take responsibility for our own government. When those who like to say our government, something is wrong with our government, there's nothing wrong with our government. Our government is we the people. We decide what kind of government we want. We decide. You have a whole sect right now that have decided that somebody who wants to grab on women's private parts, some peop- somebody who has created false universities and, re- re- and, re- and, and taken people to the cleaners, taking their monies away on a lie, some, uh, uh, a person who has created water companies that have sold nothing but water as something special, a person who has allegedly, not allegedly, the judge said it, raped a woman. We have... The government is the government is who we decide to make represent us. And there are a group of people, including a large swath of people one would believe would never tolerate or never support somebody so vile against the teachings of Jesus Christ. But yet, for reasons that we talk about and we will talk about in the future. You will pick that person over sensible people just because. And we'll talk about the because another time. Anyway, we have a great show for you today. The title of the show is, let me scroll it up. Egberto, what's the title of the show? Yes to unionization, mainstream media malpractice, and GOP selective compassionate immigration. Uh, Remember, folks, if you don't get we never get to all of the subjects because you come first. And when you call in with whatever subject you want to call in about, we make sure to take your calls first. But again, all this stuff is written as a program already. So you can always go to politicsdoneright.com slash newsletter to get it. And that's our promise to you. But anyway, yesterday... Uh, uh, rather, earlier this um, this week, I got a note that said, Egberto, you are going to love this. And it was a friend whose son participated, participated in a group that got a, two, a company that employs about 2,000 people. He got the necessary signatures for them to unionize right here in Texas, right here in Houston. And I am so proud every time I hear people taking their taking their lives into their own hands, making sure that execs and these guys won't control their destiny. Those guys are heroes to me and they should be heroes to you as we move on and talk to everybody about unionizing every single company. So uh, without further ado. And for the caller, this is about a 14-minute deal, but so hang on there. I'm going to play it right now, and let's get busy. Welcome to another edition of Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Today, 
I have a special guest. Like I tell you guys all of the times, it's the rank and file folks, the people on the ground that make things happen. Don't believe what you hear about these executives or these these big shots. It's the people on the ground doing the work. I'm honored to have Kevin Higgins Jr. How are you doing, Kevin? Hi, how's it going, Alberto? I am here. doing great. Let me tell you, a newspaper article came out titled Workers with Harris County's Nonprofit Mental Health Provider Seek to Have Union Recognized. Let me tell you, Kevin, I'm one of those people who believe every rank and file worker should belong to a union. Tell me a little bit about what you guys did at the Harris County uh, uh, Mental Health Provider. Tell me a little bit about it. Yeah. So, uh, wow. Okay. So about 10 to 12 months ago, we reached out to CWA Mm -hmm. and we, uh, started discussions on how we were going to create our union. Um, and, uh, we've been in touch with our organizers at CWA and we've been collecting signatures, uh, for the last, like I said, 10, 10 or so months. And we've, uh, designed a union logo we've met with uh, you know rodney alice and lena hidalgo and uh we have uh, a lot of support in the local political community uh so we, we're kind of building a little ecosystem here where we can get leverage to uh kind of state our case and um get what we want now, I, according to the article, you guys haven't seen significant significant increase in the wages and benefits over the last 20 years or so. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, we, I think we got a, a slight, like 40, per, 40 cents, a 40 cent raise uh-huh. uh, last year. It's not significant. It's, it's not adjusting for the cost of living and the inflation that we're experiencing and kind of burden as workers to kind of just kind of suck it up and take it. But uh, yeah, a lot of workers have been here for 20 years and have not received a significant raise or received uh, any kind of like uh, expansion of benefits, for instance, like it's uh, it's becoming a problem because we're being sort of priced out of the same community that we're serving. It, that is so, amazing. That seems to happen all the time. Now, this yeah. this is uh, the Harris County. It, this is a nonprofit. Is that correct? Yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of a, a weird situation because they like to use the term nonprofit when it sort of benefits them but really we're an apparatus of the county we're like a i guess i guess uh that's a good question <laughs> because like i said they they like to use uh they they like to use certain language when when they don't have money oh we're a nonprofit we can't afford these these increases but they have access to government funding, they have access to state funding, they have access to federal loans, and they they can, um, if they wish to, uh, you know, file for them. Now, the but, Harris uh, County, they, you know. yeah, the Harris County, uh, at the Harris Center for Mental Health, you guys have 2,000 workers. And I imagine it, it take, if you take a look at it, I imagine the executives that run 
this particular quote unquote nonprofit, they never yeah. suffer not having their high wages, correct? The executives of this organization. Yeah. So the ma- yeah, the executives, they uh so <laughs> it's interesting you say that because uh they have not been transparent in their salaries. We haven't we haven't seen in eight years. Eight years they have not disclosed uh what their salaries are, what their uh bonuses are. Um and a lot of people are a little frustrated by that because, you know, uh, transparency would be nice in this situation. If if everybody had to share the burden of, you know, putting pulling up ourselves by the bootstraps and tightening our belts, that's one thing. But you can't ask people to do that while simultaneously not disclosing your uh, your salaries or your bonuses. Absolutely. So, yeah. Now, what services does Harris Center for Mental Health uh, provide to the Harris County community? Yeah, so we're the largest mental health provider in the state of Texas. So we we serve uh, a lot of people. Uh, we do everything from uh, crisis intervention, IDD and autism services, uh, emergency mental health services. That's where I, I work at the uh, Neuropsychiatric Emergency Center. And stabilization center, uh, case management. Um, we do jail diversion and um, kind of jail rehabilitation. Um, oh boy, the services seem to be endless. The more, the longer I work here, the more uh, programs I, I learn about that we're involved in. It's 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 endless. It's so a it's, lot a, of it's extensive. Yeah. It's a necessary service, especially in these times when we have a lot of mental issues, mental health issues with our population. And it's not just the Harris County population, it's the population of the United States at large. Now, interestingly, uh, people have been trained, they have been indoctrinated over the last several decades, probably 40 years or so, actually more. Uh, I don't know if you know, there's this stuff called the the, the, uh, Powell Memo uh, that has been trying for decades to, well, it's 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 a blueprint to try to disenfranchise people. They don't quite define it that way. And one of the things were to malign unions. And for a long, for the longest time, unions have been maligned. And you, the, the people that would benefit the most from unions have been convinced that unions are not good yes. for them. That's why oh, I was so excited yeah. when I saw the work of a, of a young person like yourself actually engage your workforce to ensure that you got enough signatures to make forming a union a reality. Tell me about how how you accomplished that. Yeah, so we worked very closely with CWA and we have a lot of great people um, within our own organization. And we kind of like set this foundation work for networking, setting up uh forms of communication, message boards, um, getting the word out within the workplace, and then kind of like having workshops about how to meet and reach people at work and kind of like, uh, you know, kind of just the do's and not to do's of of, uh, approaching people about forming a union. And uh, there was a lot of work, a lot of meetings that went down and, um, and we kind of had to, kind of organically create this environment so 
we could do the work, you know? Now, now what kind of pushback did you get from the executives? So far, um, so far there's been a lot of like double speak Mm -hmm. kind of like, Oh, well, we don't, we don't think a separate organization should be getting in between our us and our employees. Of course, of course. You know, there's a lot of like famous tropes that right. like a lot of like anti-union tropes that kind of get thrown out there. Um, oh, you know, um, you know, I want to, yeah, there's a lot of like that kind of language. No one, I, I haven't experienced anybody confronting me about my union uh, activity or participation, but I know that some of my colleagues, brothers and sisters have felt some of that. Um, but I can't personally myself speak to like individual, um, you know, any altercations, but, uh, yeah. So I, I think, I think we, uh, I've seen some statements publicly by Wayne Young, who's the CEO, uh, basically kind of doing like a double speak kind of um, not wanting to really um, uh, not wanting to address, address the issues that we're presenting saying things like, Oh, well, I have an open office. My door is always open. Of course. Anybody can come in, but we know that that dynamic there's a power dynamic. There's a power imbalance right. in that. Well, the fact situation. of the matter is they, if they really cared, they wouldn't have left you guys hanging for decades without a pay mm-hmm. increase, a substantive pay increase. Now, one of the, ad, the yeah. advantages you guys seem to have over, let's say, unionizing many other places is that you had the actual support uh, or it seemed to me like, uh, based on what I'm reading, you had the support of Lena Hidalgo and Rodney Ellis. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Yeah, we uh, had kind of a little press conference, press event with the media on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a, a Houston Chronicle article about that. And uh, they were really gracious with their time. And... Uh, we're able to, yeah, it's great having people like that back us. Judge Lena and Hidalgo and Commissioner Lina Hidalgo, Rodney, Endless, Rodney yeah. Ellis. Yes. I mean, and, and um, that is so important that a part of government comes in and say, yes, we are standing up for the people and that we know what, how the, you know, how the system have left many so aggrieved. Now, if you had some, first of all, uh, uh, like I said earlier, many people have been indoctrinated into a false belief that unions are not good. What advice would you give to somebody who wants to do what you and your team has done at, uh, at, uh, the Harris center for mental health to start a union? Like I said before, a, uh, company corporations have unions. They call them trade unions. They call them all kinds of the metallurgy union, all these things where they get together. So as a force, mm-hmm. they can attain something. In your case, they, are tr- they try that to make employees not do that. What would be your advice first to convince the employees that unions are a necessary thing? And secondly, have the courage and the fortitude to do it. Yeah. So one thing that unifies all of us is we all have a boss and we're all workers, you know? So 
when you can kind of get down to kitchen sink politics and talk to people about their day-to-day issues like gas, the price of gas, price of all these amenities that uh, have gone up and you explain to people in basic terms that like, if we get a union, our pay is going to significantly increase and we'll actually have a seat at the table and we'll be able to democratize our workplace. So when you people hear things like democratize your workplace, pay increases, um, you know, expanded benefits, people are a little more receptive because there's, like you said, there's been this um, campaign for the last 40, 50 years, you know, before, even before Reagan, I'm assuming, right. Right. anti-union um, sentiment, uh, sentiment within our political uh, discourse. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you just break things down, item by item, talk to people about their, about day-to-day stuff and they um, tend to relate, you know, I they look, like the me- idea of a democracy at, at work, you know. It is so important, Kevin, and that is what's so exciting. And when I tell you, I am genuinely excited because for all the things that we promote, and that is people taking command of their own lives, people taking command of their own personal economies. That is what you have done. That's what you all have done collectively, which is, I think, one of the the, the most important things to do, to give people hope to give people, uh, uh, to make sure that people know we can't empower them because they ha- they're already empowered. They just need to use said empowerment like you all did to get the job done. Uh, the last question I always ask is, uh, is an easy one, but yet a hard one. What okay. would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't? Gosh. I told you. Alberto, um, you really, you were very thorough. Um, uh, I won't put you, I won't hold it on. I won't hold you to it, but I I just want to, I just want to say that, you know, just in case there's something else that you wanted to get out, but I'm glad that Mm. uh, you got all that you wanted to get out. Kevin Higgins, a hospital transfer coordinator and organizing committee member that got the job done. It was my pleasure to have you on Politics Done Right, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, when I saw the article, uh, I really, really was excited. I want to I want to show you a thinking process and welcome aboard Alistair Waters. I mean, Alistair Waters from uh, Conroe, Texas and Eric Hayes from Kingwood, Texas. Thank you guys for being here. But I have a bone to pick with Eric. Eric says unions would cost nonprofits more to run. Okay, because you're saying if you pay a living wage to the person who works for a nonprofit, somehow that increases costs. Yeah, I think so. But you know what? They're doing the work. They deserve the pay. Now, there are a lot of nonprofits out there that sometimes you wonder. Many of these hospitals are set up as nonprofits and the executives are making hundreds of thousands of dollars. And we don't see people complain about that. But my God, you ask the worker who would get a good salary and in getting that good salary would circulate more of the money in the economy, which would increase the economy for everybody else. 
oh, somehow that's a bad thing. I just want to remind you that in 2018, and I, I, we don't, this is the latest data that I found after I saw that message from Brother Hayes, the, 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 the uh, CEO of the Red Cross in 2018, Gail McGovern, made $694,000. Let's remember that most of the people who are doing work under the mantra of the Red Cross are volunteers working for free. Many of them are. Look, uh, many a times the people who are, vo- are, are doing all these works for nonprofits are people that m- nonprofit gets to volunteer while the execs get all these humongous space. I, I'm saying I want them well paid to, but let's be fair here. Anyway, uh, folks, the telephone number is 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. All lines are open now that you can call. Well, all but one because Brother Harry is on the other end of the line. So let's go ahead and bring in our good friend, El Señor Harry, whose music, rather, who Howard pleasured with some good music he asked for. How are you doing, Harry? El Senor, good morning. Buenos dias, como estas? Muy bien. Muy bien to you as well. To um, edifying Eberto Willis. I like what you put there, that video you played with Kevin Hagan. And as I've said on this show many times before, unions are your friend. They will get your benefits up. They will help get you better pay. And I hope and pray that what happens uh, with Amazon, those people that were fighting Amazon and Jeff Bezos, is that they get their union. I know they've been getting a lot of pushback from Jeff Bezos uh, um, because they they don't want to work for slave wages. And then if unions were such a bad thing, as you mentioned there, Eberto, why did UPS get their deal last year so they could get better pay? Unions are not a bad thing. They should not listen to that nonsense. What that is, is again, it's the employer and their greed. And it's again, it's, and like you said, the shareholders of these companies and the Milton Freeman um, and the Arthur, Arthur Laffer that you mentioned many times on this show is, is just about greed and it's about screwing um, the workers and misleading the workers before um, the work that they do. Um, I was also going to mention another thing. When um, Patrick, who was talking about the um, uh, undocumented, uh, undocumented workers, uh, if I, uh, you know, I should, I should not say that because when I thought about what you said, Eberto, and you're right, human beings are not illegal. And I was listening to Arnie Arneson. He was talking about that very thing in the last half hour of his show. He mentioned undocumented, but he used the word illegal. And human beings are not illegal. It's just they're, they're not. The ones that are born here aren't documented. And what I was saying, when I say you, when you come to this country, you do it the Alberto Willis way. You go and take the citizenship test. You get your green card like you did, Alberto, and you do that. Now, it's, it's not as easy for everyone to do that. And they try to do a quota to try to stop people. And, and a lot of that is because they don't want too many black people or brown people here. It's just discrimination and racism. And like I said, our, our system is a, a joke. And those, um, you know, as far as immigration, that is a joke. And um, it's just they want to exploit people. And those people, as Patrick pointed out, 
that hire these people. They're the ones that need to be prosecuted for, for breaking their own uh, joke of uh, immigration uh, laws. And I'll mention one other thing. Um, I was My brother and I were talking because I just found out that Ron DeSantis suspended his campaign for president. And my brother and I were talking a few days ago, and he thinks this is what he thinks. He thinks what's going to happen if Donald Trump does get convicted um, before uh, he is the um, nominee, he'll make if or if he becomes the nominee, I should say, he'll make Nikki Haley the vice president. And if the Republicans should win and Donald Trump uh, is no longer is not going to be president, then Nikki Haley will assume his position and then she'll pardon him because she did mention. Um, weeks ago that she would pardon Donald Trump if she became president. I was yeah, wondering yeah, what she did. She, I mean, look, that your your guess is as good as mine, but she did say that. So if she said that, and uh, it, it wouldn't surprise, I, I think also because she beats so far in the polling, like I said, so far without any uh, pushback from Democrats yet, she is up by anywhere from five to 10 points over uh, Biden in a in a head to head. And a lot of this has to do with it. I, I've come to the conclusion that everybody, everything that Biden does is really since uh, is really filtered through his age. And Americans just don't want a, a very old president if they can avoid it. And, uh, you know, so all the great all the good things that have been successful in a in an economic system like we have, which is what has occurred with under under um, under Biden. It just goes over the heads of many because, again, they're just seeing Biden, Biden, Biden. Now, as far as. Um, but again, like I said, that, that that's what we have right now. That's what we have right now. But Harry, I got another call coming thank in. So you. give me a quick closer. Okay, a quick closer. Uh, thank you, Howard, for playing uh, The Avenue uh, by Bonafide. I liked your comments about that song. I thought you and Jack would love that song. And thank you for playing Peter White. And I'll keep sending you more songs. So. You all, all three of you guys keep edifying. Oh, I did mention one other thing. Uh, Mitt Romney, I was wondering, can, I sent you an email, Alberto. I want you to play, when you get a chance, play the Mitt Romney speech of Donald Trump being a con man, a fool, and playing the American people for suckers. Uh, I said that last I, week. I, I will look, I'll look for that because that is something I would want to play. You're a good, good man. Thank you very much, Harry. That, you have a good one, gotta, okay? got to remind people. It's very important. Thank all you, right, brother. You too. Let's uh, let's go to Johnny. Come on in, Johnny. How are you doing? Morning, everybody. It's a toasty forty-two degrees outside my front door. Jelly <laughs> magic. Yeah, but I'm pit- it was pitch dark outside, so my being naked and wrapped in a blanket didn't matter much. You know, there's another <laughs> way. There's another legal way for people to uh, enter this country and become citizens that Harry neglected to mention. You know what that is? Have money. Well, yeah, no talk about the poor people who are scared and frightened out of their countries in order to become workers here on the cheap, under the table. They show up at the border. They're supposed to be able to show up at the border at at the nearest uh, station where you've got Border Patrol agents. And guess what? They're allowed to, by international law and our own law, allegedly, reportedly, to say who they are, where they're from, and they're seeking asylum, or they'd like to be citizens. And then they're supposed to be processed. But what do we do? Our border guards, they chase them 
uh, away, and they they kind of encourage them to go underneath the underpass. And when the border guards see the, when those who are Republicans on the other side of the of that underpass see them coming up the underpass, then they are allowed to legally arrest them, and that's what they've been doing. The same guys who kick those bottles of drinking water in the desert, looking so smug and happy. See, so there's always a way to subvert the law, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, look, the, the immigration issue is a mess on several accounts, uh, Johnny, and it's our fault for not having. Uh, the right kind of immigration laws that that uh, that thinks humanity first. I mean, the, and and secondly, uh, the most important part is our foreign policy. Well, our economic foreign policy in these countries, and and we 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 only we we always look at scabs here. The scab. We never look at what's underneath the scab. What's causing the 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 infection? But Johnny, I got to run to somebody else now. Thank you so kindly for calling. Read John, John Perkins, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. Oh, That'll yeah. Be- I, you, you know, oh, Johnny, you know I interviewed John Perkins. You did? Uh, yeah. I'm, you know, because you said the next time I have a, a, a hiatus that I'm going to put a tape show, I'll look for that John Perkins interview. It is still relevant. Uh, I'll, I'll look for it and put it on, okay? Right. That's where we fill in the gaps where you and I can't do it in two minutes on the phone with each other. Exactly. We'll talk. Thank you, brother. Peace. Wake up, Joe. Do your phone policy correctly. Or you're going to pay the (laughs) price. You will, too. Have a good day. There you go. Thank you, brother. Peace. Anyway, folks, uh, that was actually uh, very much so. So, I mean, um, anyway, folks, um, 713-526-5738. Let's go ahead and go to Hunter. Come on in, Hunter. Hunter, you're on. Hello? Yes, you're on. Hello, you there? Yes, sir. Yeah. Hey, um, I was trying to think of a good question to ask you. Okay. Right. So, you know how um, the, uh, uh, the uh, trying to think of the name of the regulation that Reagan got rid of, uh, the Fairness Doctrine. Oh yeah, that, that 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 messes up our news. Yes, exactly. The fairness doctrine. Go ahead. The fairness, fairness doctrine, uh, Glass and Stegall, the EPA rules. If they get rid of something and they realize that it was put there for a purpose, why don't they put it back? Yeah, I I can't argue with that, sir, at all. You're absolutely right. I if understand. if I mean I mean if they obviously see it, they they have to know some type of history to even be there. I would think. Why can't they put it back in in place? Hunter, but what it takes. Yeah, Hunter. First of all, you're right. And what it takes, however, you, you know the the good thing about it is see how you could. Uh, you could articulate that on the phone. You could say, oh, you remember the Hunter Doctrine? You remember Glass-Steagall and what it did to separate the, um, the, the investment banking from banking? And you remember that? What happens, uh, uh, Hunter, is that you are well-read on policy, right? And because of that, you know these things and you can actually discern what creates certain types of problems. Now, the average citizen... Not uh, many times, not even their fault. They just don't have the time to go into these details. And that's why I said leadership is so good. Leaders are so important because good leaders 
can digest these things and put it out to people so that they can effectively elect the right people who would do the right thing. One of the expectations I have with the show, with this show, one of the expectations, we I, I had a long meeting yesterday with some great progressives. One of the ideas behind these things is let's, let's have media do its job. I, I had a piece to play about the media today. I don't know if I'm going to get to it, but it shows perfectly what's wrong with the media. So, Hunter, let me go to Ray. And if, if I'm left with uh, 15 minutes or so after Ray, I'll play this seven, eight minute video. Okay. All right. Thank you, Hunter. You have a great day. Let's go to Ray. Come on in, Ray. How are you doing this morning? Buenos dias, mi hermano. Como estas, mi hermano favorito? Talk to me. Uh, yes, sir. Um, first of all, I want to highlight uh, one of the topics of the show, which is uh, kudos to that young man who... Kevin uh, Higgins, Jr. Yeah. Kevin, Kevin Higgins, Jr., uh, yeah, kudos to that young man, Kevin Higgins Jr., for uh, getting his workplace unionized. Um, you know, I actually am very, I'm like you. I'm glad to hear stuff like that because mm -hmm. also the uh, the cooperation and, and basically the, um, the co-oping with the government. A shout out to Lena Hidalgo and Rodney Ellis, who I, Absolutely. I thank very much of. And support to the highest, you know, and uh, and and I also want to just kind of, you know, say to to the conservatives who all always want to, you know, label Rodney Ellis and Lena Hidalgo. Oh, they're these underground communists. They're these Marxists. You know, guess what? You know what? The thing that the the conservative right wing hates to admit about people who believe in Marxism. And you have a, a very esteemed guest that you, Mr. Ru Mr. Wo Richard Wolf, mm -hmm. who, who studies Marxist ec economics. You know, one of the things that you said and touched on in the show is that unlike these, you know, vulture capitalists, you know, people who've been indoctrinated to believe that it's in their best interest to protect the interest of business first over people. Marxists believe that human rights should come first. Now, you could argue over the practices of the Communist Party of, of Russia and da, 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 but the ideology is always human rights first. That is so important, Ray. And, and uh, uh, the chart that I drew yesterday, that's exactly what I talked about. If you put humanity first, things like uh, capitalism, socialism, all the isms become the secondary issue. And you use the benefits of each system in each area to best support humanity. If you look at it that way, if you if you if you then then we get the right balance of programs etc. But Ray, oh, so I was gonna I was gonna run and play the video now, but another call is coming in, so I may have to tell folks to go to politicsandright.com/newsletter, politicsandright.com/newsletter to get the link to the to the uh, story about uh, that I gave two clips of of CNN and an interview that they did. 
I want you guys to see in the same interview, uh, one with Tim Scott, the other one with Chris Coons. You got to see how the media operates there. Ray, anything else before I jump to Brian? Oh, yeah. If you want to start with the immigration policy, let's dump Trump and all his <laughs> Thank you, brother. You have a great day, sir. Let's go to brother Brian. Come on in, bro- uh, Brian. How you doing? Good morning. Good morning, sir. Yeah. Uh, what I see about socialism or what you just call it, or your caller is just talking about uh, Marxism. Mm-hmm. It's always the individual struggle against the big machine, isn't it? Not, no. not the other way. Uh, yeah. Well, first of all, it's no, no, it's not the individual struggle against the machine. It, it's simply humanity first. That's all we, we want. Humanity first. Okay, well, I, I see it differently. Okay, let me hear it. The struggle against, yeah, I, I see the struggle against the 453 different agencies that the United States has mm-hmm. with uh, uh, departments, Department mm-hmm. of Education, uh, the regulations of the EPA, the, you know, the small business associations that uh, mm-hmm. have regulations that they have to, to enforce. Mm-hmm. 453 of them the last time I counted. Right? Okay. So you take into consideration a man's out there trying trying to earn a living, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't matter who he's he, who he's working for. He's either working for himself or he's working for someone in the government. True. Small business people they don't want big government in their business. What is big government? What is big government, uh, Brian? What is big government? Yes. I'm telling you that you have to. Uh, not do this because you're not supporting a fish. Okay, so let me ask you this, um, and, and this yeah. is where where I mean, there, there. Let me. I I don't I don't doubt that there are outdated regulations. I don't doubt that there are bad regulations. But the thing about it is, uh, if if I listen to your tonality, you would give the impression as if you want. No regulations. The thing about it is the reason we have a lot of regulations is that we have a lot of products. We have a lot of things out there on the market that can affect human beings. So my question to you is, as opposed to generalizing, we don't want regulations and there are too many agencies. I think what you should be doing is coming out with specific a specific regulation that you want gone why it was created, and why you think it was gone. I think if we started having that kind of discussion, it would make more sense than just saying bad regulation. Because let me tell you, I'm going to have the, the, the person running for Railroad Commission on our show this week. And there is a part of Texas right now where all the salt water that they threw into these wells, uh, in very old wells, Without regu- that didn't have the appropriate regulation. Guess what's happening? And you're you're not seeing it on TV right now, but we have the pictures to show. And we have and l- let me tell you what's going on right now. They 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 the uh, government has created a three mile exclusion zone, which means you can't fly your drone, you can't fly the airplanes or anything over this area where. These wells have started, these old, old wells right here in Texas has started to explode. As you know, we are very lax in our, in our, the CCEQ is very lax in the way 
we deal with regulations for oil companies here. So my statement to you, Brian, once again, is the following. I'm not discussing with you whether uh, uh, about these agencies. I'm saying if Brian has a problem with specific regulations, Brian should tell us what those are and we can have an intelligent discussion as to why they came to be and why we should get rid of them. And if we get rid of them, what specifically will occur? That's how we can have an intelligent conversation, sir. Go ahead, my brother. Okay. Yeah. There Wait, is. Do you, first of all, do you agree with what I just said? Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to answer that. Okay, go ahead. There is a specific. There is a specific court ruling going before the Supreme Court in the United States about mm -hmm. fish. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now the EPA said that you have to uh, regulate the amount of fish that you catch, okay. and it's made mandatory. If someone puts a camera that he has to pay for on a boat to prove that he is legally within the legal limits. Right. Now, specific, it's going against the Supreme Court right now today. Yeah, I know. I know. I know that law that in fact, that law has more dangers than just the fish, because what that law is going to tell is uh, who has ultimate authority on a law passed by Congress. In other words, Congress don't write laws that are specific to anything many times. If they now Congress will have to write laws that are specific to prevent it from being overturned by by uh, by the Supreme Court, because ultimately that story is as follows. Um, the government is telling a, a a fishery or a fishing boat what they what they must have to prove that they're not exploiting the ocean. I don't see anything wrong with that. You have to buy a license for your gun. You have to buy, if you have a, 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 a car, you have to buy certain parts for that car. There's nothing wrong that says if you are going to be a fisherman fishing out of the commons, the ocean being the commons, that you have to have this equipment. There should be absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's a cost of doing business. Now, that, that cost will be recovered in the sale of the fish and that other stuff. The, here's what gets to me. That law, the simplistic nature in which people like to quote that law, they, they miss the point. The reason you want to overturn that law in the Supreme Court is so that an oil company later on, when the government doesn't say, well, you have to put casein in a well at this level, if they don't if they don't specifically say that the oil company can come back now and say, hey, based on that Supreme Court judgment that occurred with the government doesn't have the authority to put a camera on a boat or, or, or a person on a boat to do whatever on. That is how the Supreme Court works. So this little this little case that you have going to the Supreme Court has huge implications uh, to our uh, to, to further regulations. And that is what people like yourself so far hadn't gotten. When you understand that, you'll see how that is a detriment to not only me and many others, but even you. But Brian, I got to go to Augie. Um, but I, I thank you for bringing that subject up because that is something that I probably need to cover in more detail. That law, uh, the Supreme Court, that's uh, that's going in, that it has a dangerous precedent that it would set if the Supreme Court supports them. All right. The Supreme Court should support that law. Well, uh, we'll talk about that some other time because right. Yeah, yeah. Put a camera on the boat, a private yeah. boat. Yes, yeah. yes, and not wait. It's not a private boat. It's a private boat, but it's do it's it's fishing out of the commons. It's a private boat 
extracting resources that all belong to us. Okay? Augie, okay, come on in. That's that thing about Supreme Court. The Supreme Court's not an expert in whatever area these Thank agencies you. are. The, the agencies are the experts. They focus on their uh, whatever their agency covers. Supreme Court doesn't. They don't uh, tell doctors how to practice medicine or anybody else. But uh, the Republicans are uh, making it so they can take over what these experts are, are trying to help the people. Okay, let me let me stop you a second because the Supreme Court, in overturning uh, Roe versus Wade, has just about done that. That's why so many women have to leave Texas to get their maternal, I mean, their their health care. But anyway, continue, Augie. Yeah. And like uh, people, well, supposedly Christians like Chick-fil-A, but their supplier isn't so Christian. They're hiring underage workers for <laughs> supplier. So, so much for Christianity, they don't care about people, uh, you know, um, at, uh, um, as long as uh, they get the cheap uh, fried chicken and everything else and the, and the, and the vegetables and the products. Um, yeah, uh, I was. Uh, Augie, Augie, you made a, There's one mistake you just made, Augie. You said, except they get the cheap fried chicken and vegetables. Actually, they pay a cheap price for it. But my God, they're, have you been to a Chick-fil-A lately, man? You know, my, my, my wife loves Chick-fil-A. And I tell you something, man, they're not all that cheap. <laughs> oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, when uh, you, you buy a sandwich, I'm still hungry when I leave. Cause it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, man. You know, it seems like the sandwich switch and the price went up and the, their their cost for chicken didn't go off real, as much as they raised their prices. That's why their bottom line looks so good because they're just saying we can take more money away from the regular folk. Anyway, what is going on, Augie? And, uh, when I was a worker, it was a great thing. We had unions. Uh, it helped me a couple of times uh, because uh, at one time, I remember growing up in the 50s and 60s, we were told if you work in the mailroom of some corporate business, you have a chance to become CEOs. And, and at that time, it was possible. You were working in the 50s and 60s, Gaggy? Oh, no, no. I was a student, and they told us at school. You know, oh, okay. These, so, I was going to say, you sure look too good to be working in the 50s and the 60s, man. <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, in the fifties and sixties, I was facing the uh, the prejudice that was legalized. The hate, the racism. Mm-hmm. I got kicked out of a store when I was in third grade. But right. I didn't realize we moved to a new neighborhood, and I walked to school. And this old man opened a screen door, had a, a piece of paper, asked me if uh, I'd get him these things at the grocery store, and he, and he had some cash, and he said, "Keep the change, keep the change." Man, that was magic words to me. I ran to the store, and it was, I was brand new to the neighborhood, but I knew there was a store nearby. And there was a lady there, and she looked like uh, one of those TV moms, like Leave to Beaver's mom. Uh-huh. And she was talking to my workers, and I was waiting patiently and, and thinking, okay, once she finishes, she'll take care of me. But she saw I, I didn't leave, and then uh, she wasn't so nice anymore. She had this mean face and the ugly voice. And, told me no one certain terms to get out of there. And I was in third grade. And that's the first wow. time I talked to me like that. And then I ran out. She scared me and I ran out the door. And then I looked in the window. I, I rushed in there. I didn't see the sign in the window. But we don't serve blacks. I'm not sure to use that term. 
We don't serve Mexicans, um, Indians, meaning Native Americans, Jews, Catholics, and dogs. And they threw dogs in there to tell how much they hated those five groups. And they had wow. like two and a half uh, strikes against me because I was uh, uh, Mexican heritage, Catholic, and uh, I didn't realize it, but the part of me, we have an Indian in our genealogy. Wow. Right there and there. Well, brother, I hear you. Hey, man, got to go, Augie. Look, thank you very much for your words, my brother. We got to go and throw this to the studio, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Hey, studio, how's how are my favorite peeps doing? I am just shocked. Why wouldn't they serve dogs? That's just oh, <laughs> you know, you uh, Augie was going on the list of things and. Well, did you have your dog with you? I don't mean to make light of the whole situation because it was deplorable back then. And it's gotten so much. It's gotten a lot better now. It's gotten a lot. It's gotten a lot better. Uh, but I, I tell you something. We were talking at our meeting yesterday and we just kept on saying we need to bring a whole lot of stuff out into the open because a lot has gone underground. And as progressives, um, me, myself and, and these groups was like, we got to find a way to get the people because there's a force out there that's working against us. But anyway, not my time to talk. It's your time to talk and, and Jack's time to talk. Jack, what you got? Media speaketh with corporate tongue. <laughs> Except this one that doesn't speak with a tongue. Yeah. All right. You know, I love that. I love that. Anyway, folks, look, thank you all who called in. Please go to politicsandright.com slash newsletter and listen to that CNN clip that I did and I, I the, the article that I articulate. Please, it's very essential that you see that. Uh, thank you, callers. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Howard. Thank you, everybody. Love you all. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics and Right. And you guys know how I end this, baby. I am what? Out. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.